to welcome everyone this morning into the house of the Lord, despite the, uh, the weather and the road conditions. We're thankful that we could all make it. Keep on praying for those that are still coming as well. Uh, we're very thankful this morning to have Brother Ed Yan from Windsor. He's uh, offered to serve us. We've asked him if he could stay for the afternoon, but unfortunately he'll be leaving after lunch. But we're thankful for his uh, presence this morning. And uh, we'd like to start with greetings first and then announcements. And Brother Ed. Send the hearty greetings of Windsor to, to you all. Thank you, Brother Ed. We're thankful that you are here. And um, just for those that didn't get it, we had an OMEC meeting uh, yesterday in our congregation. And uh, we're thankful for that because then we have visiting ministers as well. Uh, any other greetings before we go into the announcements? Why don't you, Brother Edmund, instead of for me repeating this, just come up here and uh, just repeat your greetings as well as the... Uh... Just uh, very briefly, um, so just greetings from my wife and uh, my, both my parents and from Zoran Ed at Lislov. Uh, Zoran just wanted to give an update at, um, about uh, the Namani family in Ukraine. Uh, we had said earlier that no one from Ukraine has crossed the border yet, but now uh, the, the one family... Um, the, the brother has 14 kids, and uh, his uh, oldest ch child, Jonathan, um, uh, was, uh, I think, being approached to go into the military. It's now they're, they're starting to uh, approach. Uh, and so he left with his family of six kids, and they were asking for prayers that he would be able to cross the border. And thankfully, he was actually able to successfully cross the border with his six kids. Um, another, the next oldest son is 19, um, and so he is a military agent, so the rest of the family is staying for his sake. So they're still in Bukovina, Ukraine, and are asking for prayers for protection there, and we thank God that uh, the one family of six did leave. So that's an update as far as I, I'm aware. Thank you, Brother Edmund. Are there any other greetings? Thank you. Uh, Sister Dorothy and Brother Craig extended greetings. And please, uh, for those that did bring greetings, give um, greetings back to your respective families. Any other greetings? If not, um, Just a few announcements. The focus of the month is just for that, that we heard about the situation in Ukraine. The, it's an Eastern European relief, and uh, proceeds of that will go to supporting and aiding those that are still in Ukraine with whatever needs they may require. Lord willing, uh, practice, choir practice will resume today at lunchtime, after lunch. So uh, they're practicing for an Easter program. Uh, please feel free to join. We are continuing our CFG uh, topic of uh, life, the life of Christ this coming Wednesday. 
So we welcome everyone for that as well, online as well. Uh, we have a, about <clears throat> the whole mo month of, of May is booked with events. And uh, starting the end of April, beginning the first uh, week of May, first day of May, is the Richmond Hill uh, baptism. That was postponed because of the COVID situation. Then uh, the week, week after that, May 7 and 8, is the Northeast Sing. We termed that because they have a Southwest Sing in Phoenix. So uh, we're diametrically opposite, and uh, we called ourselves in night, the Northeast Sing. That's in our church, God willing. Baptism in Strasbourg Road on May 14 and 15. So um, we're thankful for that. And uh, also a baptism in Windsor on the 28th and 29th uh, of, um, of May. So let's uh, all keep in prayer for those events. Uh, last but not least, we had the OMEC meeting here, as I said yesterday. And um, first of all, the brothers from the OMEC meeting asked to extend greetings to our congregation. And so I'm doing that now. And also... Uh, special mention and thanks and appreciation for all the sisters that provided for uh, our physical needs yesterday. It was exceptional. We're thankful for that. Uh, I finally got to know how to pronounce charcuterie board, and uh, it was a wonderful spread, and we're thankful for it. And um, as a result of that, we have Brother Ed here with us in our midst. Please keep him in prayer as he serves us from God's word. It's good to be here with you all this morning. Before we open God's word, let us bow for a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that this Sunday morning we can gather at thy feet, that there is no better place to be than with thee, to learn from thy holy word. We ask that as we spend these few moments together, that thou would bless us, that would open our minds, give us clarity, shut out the world, and that we would focus on how the Spirit would speak to each of us individually and collectively. We thank thee for thy holy word. We thank thee for this privilege and honor of being called thy children and also thy friends. And Heavenly Father, we pray that we look forward to the message that you would speak to us, give us all strength and the desire, humility to clear our minds to receive it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For this, mor this morning's meditation, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before, before and, for, and foretell you as if I were present the second time, and being absent, now I write to them 
which heretofore have sinned, and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates, that I pray, now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong, and this also we wish, even your perfection. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Let's all bow before the Lord in prayer. Loving Father in heaven, maker of heaven and earth, creator of all that we see and do not see. You are the only one true God, yet you are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. O Lord, what can we say? We come before thee as unworthy children and unworthy creatures as we have been created. We who often fall short of your glory, we who often do not walk worthy of the vocation wherewith thou hast called us, But we come to you, Lord, not as a someone that is unknown to us, but someone that we can call Father, that we can bring before thee our prayers, our adoration, and confess our sins, and that we can also bring to you our supplications our petitions, our requests. For without you, as Jesus said, we can do nothing. We can do nothing, Lord. And as we see this world in a tailspin, and perhaps we haven't seen anything yet, 
we come before you in petition and ask for your mercy and grace. Lord, we pray this morning as your word goes forth that it would go forth in its simplicity and yet in its power and that hearts would be convicted and that we may examine ourselves in the light of your word, in the light of your truth and your spirit would be the one that convicts us. Especially, Lord, we pray for those that are not right with you that have not yet made that covenant with you that have not yet repented of their sins that have not even seen yet perhaps that they are indeed sinners in need of forgiveness Lord we pray that you would prick their hearts that they would also cry out together with those that Pentecost who said Lord brethren what shall we do Father we pray that they will know what to do we pray that they would come before you in fear and trembling with a contrite heart and seek your grace and favour through your son Jesus Christ Father, we thank thee that there are many here that are on the other side and that is in your favour that have experienced your grace that have accepted the eternal salvation through the blood of your Son whose sins have been forgiven whose hearts have been purified and sanctified and regenerated by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk worthy, to proclaim your name, to bring forth much fruit to your honour and glory in every aspect of our lives, whether it be at home or at work or in the community. Father, we pray for those that aren't here this morning, that aren't even on, on Microsoft Teams or the telephone, listening to the word, whether it's be in this church or in others. We pray that you would visit them, that you would comfort them, strengthen them, the shut-in, the aged, the widows, the widowers, the lonely, those that are going through difficult times in their lives that are under the burden of this life, we pray that you would visit them and encourage them and strengthen them and that you would use us as your hands and feet, Lord. Lord, help us to put ourselves in their situation and whether we would like to be visited or not, whether we would like to be encouraged. For this is what Jesus would do, and he did. Father, help us to realize that the days are few, 
The time is short and the days are evil and we need to redeem that time. Father, we pray as we heard this morning, we have families in Bukovina and many other believers that believe in you, that trust in you. We pray that you would be with them Encourage them, strengthen them, protect them, provide for their each and every need. And that they would not give in to the temptation of abandoning you because they are in difficult times and persecution, perhaps. Father, we pray for the governments as you have commanded us to, lifting up holy hands. Lord, we pray that they would see that the solution to the world, world peace, is not war, but is abiding according to your word and will, to love, to help, to have compassion, and to uphold the words of Jesus Christ. We pray for the sick, Lord, in our congregations, especially we pray for Sister Olga Ordog, who's having a challenging time now. We pray that you would give her strength, that you'd give her healing, that you would reverse whatever process was going the other way, that she would be healed and she would recover and that we could rejoice together in seeing her back once more in our midst. We pray, O Lord, for Lily Bouvet, Vukov, who hasn't been in our midst for a long time, but now she is very ill also. We pray that you would visit her, that you'd hear our prayers, and above all, that you would tug at her heart, that she would submit and surrender her life to you. Father, we have many petitions many supplications, but you know them all. And now as we would commend this service into your hands, we pray and ask that you'd speak through our dear brother, give him the words upon his lips and in his heart to be able to expound your truths and that we would be lifted up and we'd be edified and above all that your name would be glorified. These things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to endorse what uh, Brother Doug said. And on behalf of all the elders and ministers who were here yesterday, um, thank you so much for hosting us. It was an incredible spread of food, and uh, it was just, a, it's just eye appealing and delicious. And even supper was so tasty as well. So thank you so much. And and even the 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 um, the topics that even the channel brethren that you were participated in were excellent. And we were encouraged to make full proof of our ministry. As ministers, we were asked to, to analyze ourselves and, and to, to look at ways to, be, um, to help ourselves and do better 
in the, in the ministry. It's been an interesting two years. I, I think uh, we can all agree that it is something that um, old and young, something we haven't really experienced before. Uh, maybe some here who have uh, gone through a war, um, a lot of times our, our, older, our parents or our grandparents have experienced um, war and they've uh, been separated from one another for long periods of time, but in a very, very microcosmic way, you know, having gone through this whole pandemic, um, it's been something um, that I'm sure has really tested all of us in so many ways, and in ways that uh, individually and collectively that were, we found out things about ourselves that, wow, we were surprised at our attitudes, our mindsets, and um, things that came out of us, you know, this, the anxieties that came out and, and concerns and, and uh, both mentally and emotionally and relationally and, of course, spiritually. All these different uh, tests that we have gone through these last two years. But thank God that uh, with, with patience, um, we're going to look back at, and look at the lessons learned, how we, how we reacted to this time. And in my thinking, I think this is just going to be a small foretaste of what's coming, what's going to come in the future in terms of the end times. And one, one time, it will truly be the end times. I know people are thinking, is this it? You know, with the pandemic, and then now we see the, the war in, the, in the Europe. And, but uh, one time, it will be true. And so this morning hour, with God's help, um, I would like to continue with the concept of a test. We're going to have a test this morning. And this scripture that we have read in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul challenged the Corinthian church to test themselves. In this morning hour, with God's help, I would ask that we all test ourselves. And what does that mean? It's interesting that uh, testing is something that, you know, we, I'm, we've all been through school and and and. Imagine going to show up in class and all of a sudden the teacher says to you, oh, we're having a pop quiz today. And they all, the kids all start groaning and, and, you know, and then you're surprised. And so this morning hour, I could say we're going to have a pop quiz. We're going we're gonna to be, you know, having a, a quiz, a test, on and look at what uh, Paul's talking about. But in reality, every time we, we, we're faced with God's word, we're being put to the test. And even this morning hour, this particular scripture, 2 Corinthians, by the way, I did not pick this scripture in the sense this is not something that I wanted to preach from. I, I anticipated to preach from something else and something I thought would be more uh, that I was interested in. And, but then that changed to something else again, that, okay, this is where I think I'm heading. And then near last minute, it changed for a third time. So I'm not sure why the Lord... Uh, ended up in a sense where I felt led to speak on the scripture. Maybe it's, it's aimed at one individual here. Maybe one individual needs to hear this message, and the rest of you have to just kind of bear with the message, and it's meant for one person. And, but maybe it's meant for a few, but maybe it's meant for all. But either way, as is God's word, we'll be blessed. So what's the purpose of a test, our test this morning hour? And I could probably say that the culmination, the question could be, are we ready for the Lord's return? Are we ready for the Lord's return? 
And that's a question we, we have to keep in the back of our mind as we go through this. Because in our text this morning, it was an issue of Paul visiting the Corinth church for the third time. And he warns them, you better be ready for my visit. So it begins off in the first verse, and it's very serious words. It says, this is the third time I come unto you, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Now, you know, when, when mom and dad said, you better pay attention, this is my last warning, you know, we, we all of a sudden, you know, we're going to start paying attention to mom and dad that, you know, okay, we better listen now or we're going to get in big trouble here. So Paul's warning the church in his writings that you, you better be careful here. I'm writing, and I'm going to be bold in my writing, but I'm going to even be bolder when I get there. And that's what we're going to read as we go through this chapter. And then he goes in the second verse, and, and he says, I write to them which therefore have, theretofore have sinned, and to all others, that if I come again, I will not spare. So, in essence, he's, if you were to look back in the previous uh, chapter, what was maybe Paul referring to? And if you look at the end of chapter 12, um, he gave us a potential, some hints. And starting at verse 20, it says, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you as I would, that I shall be found, be found unto you such as you would not. So he's hoping, this is not what I find. When I come here, I hope I don't find this. Finding what? Lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strives, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. You could probably summarize it up. There's divisions in the church, right? And then secondly, he says, Unless when I come again, my, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well many who have sinned already, and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. So we see two areas of potential downfall in the church. One is, is divisions, and the other one's immorality. And you could say nothing is new under the sun. In many contexts, are we not in the same way struggling as a church throughout the ages and even now with those things, the same issues in the church, of, of divisions in the church and also of immorality. So he, he's warning them that I'm well aware that this could be in your church and that there's some that need to repent. Now the church of Corinth in this particular city was a city I could say would be similar to maybe Toronto. It was a, Corinth was a capital of a particular Roman, uh, Roman uh, province at the time a very prosperous city, and um, it was also known for a lot of immorality. And so, um, again, in, in those terms, in, in that context, you know, these were, you know, new Christians, and I'm sure they had, to, they had all these attributes they had to unlearn, especially the Gentiles, of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so Paul had it way tougher than we do, in terms of teaching them what it meant to be, to be a pure church and to be separated from the world and to stop fighting amongst yourselves. And it, it was, and Paul here is being that, that spiritual father to the church and he, he's writing in these you know, harsh words, I will not spare. And as a church, 
for a church to be faithful, the church needs to be pure. The church needs to be holy. The church cannot have sin residing in the church. And it's up to the leadership. It's part of their task and their position to ensure that that's the case. So they have to, that's their duty, as is Paul's duty, to, to make sure that the churches run well. Not too much different than a family trying to run its household of children. That the, the household has to run in a way that everyone can uh, function properly within that household. So Paul's task is that he can't ignore this. He can't just ignore sin in the church. And so often, you know, it's as, as, as a church, as, especially our type of churches where we're closely knit together, where we, we know each other very, very well, sometimes we tend to rub shoulders a bit and maybe get on each other's nerves a bit and, and, and you know, there's some friction going on. And that, that's to be expected. So compared to a lot of churches out there, mainstream Christianity, I would say that they're, they're not so much a church body as they are gatherings of Christians. There's a, there are a bunch of Christians that gather together and listen to a sermon, but are they really a church body? Are they truly brethren united and knitted together? Sometimes I wonder that a lot of churches are not that way, and the reason being is because they don't exercise church discipline. They don't really look at the individual member and ensure that they're living holy lives and that there's not sin in the church and that it's preached in that church just to be separate from the world. And these are all things that, that, that we have to be cognizant of as we live our lives in the Christian, in, in, within the church. So Paul goes on to say in verse 3, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. So Paul now is, is admitting, and the strength of Paul is amazing, uh, in that he's saying, you're looking at me and you're questioning me whether I have the authority to come to you and admonish you as a church. And, and there were divisions. We, we even talked about it last night, how the Corinth church had divisions amongst themselves. People would align themselves with certain leaders and, and so on. And they even questioned Paul and his authority, and even to the point of whether Christ actually spoke through him. And, and Paul admits this. He says, you, some of you are questioning my authority. But Paul says something amazing. He says, you question Christ and me, but then he says, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. So instead of Paul defending himself and feeling, you know, self-pity, as probably I would if, you know, I, I, I heard that criticism against me, and I was like, oh, that would, like, that would really hurt. And, you know, and would I be so gracious as Paul saying, but I see Christ so strong in you. You know, you're criticizing me that maybe Christ is not working through me, but his response is, but I see Christ working in you. And if they were to think about it for a second, in essence, the church of Corinth were the fruit of Paul. Through Paul's evangelistic efforts and through Paul's willingness to establish and be part of establishing the Corinth church, they exist. Their very existence has to do with Paul 
Yet for some reason, they question him. So in essence, by questioning Paul, in essence, they should be questioning themselves. But Paul kind of flips the tables, you know, the, the script on him a bit. It says, you know, I, I see Christ, even though you may question me, I see Christ working in you. And it's this beautiful way of, of a leader working with the church. And how well do you work with your leaders in your church? How gracious are you in your feedback? How willing are you to, to give feedback to your leaders in your church? Both positive and both negative, And they want both. As we learned yesterday, feedback is good. But when you give positive feedback, it's excellent. It gives, it gives us encouragement, which we really appreciate. But we also appreciate feedback that where we can learn from you, maybe ways that we can be better at our ministry. And sometimes you may talk amongst yourselves, but it doesn't get to the leadership or the ministry. And it's good for you to be willing, you know, but in humility and in, in, in love, show your point of view. And I'm sure the brothers would really appreciate it. But it's amazing how Paul was, was not defensive, but instead he was so willing to show that, you know, you may not look big upon me, some of you, but I, I love you anyways, and I see God might, working mightily in you. But then, then it goes on to verse 4, and he says, don't get fooled here. Don't get fooled here. He says, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. He's speaking of Christ. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. It's a sad reality, but it's also human nature that we're attracted to speakers who are very dynamic and personalities that are very engaging. And, and, and literally, we see whole churches being built around individuals. That It's amazing how you know, we, we struggle sometimes with our numbers and we feel somewhat guilty about that. You know, but then you'll, they'll see a church that's only been around for 20 years plus and, and they went from a handful up to thousands of members. And then you look at, at their leader and, and he is just an incredible, dynamic personality. And, and too often, you know, we, we were attracted to that. And, and I wonder sometimes how spiritually driven that is. And, and, and Paul is saying here, you know, there's, if you look in, in, in history and to describe Paul, what did Paul look like and how, what was his demeanor? Yeah, it's true. It, it, the scripture says he was a Pharisee of Pharisees in the sense that he was, seemed to be educated to some extent. But the impression that most historians have is that Paul was, was of not a, a, a person of appeal. In terms of his physical appearance, they say that he may have been short. I heard some of the writings I read, he may, he may have been short, he may have been bald, he may have been not very attractive to look upon, and even his speech, they say, may not have been that you know, enticing, right? He, he wasn't a, a great orator, and he even says that about himself. In, in, but it's amazing, though, that he accomplished so much and did so much in, in his life. And, and that's a testament through the Spirit working through him and, and also to, a testament to the believers willing to accept the truth and the Spirit working in themselves. 
and they weren't just itchy ears listening to an amazing speaker. And, and dear ones, we have to be careful that don't get caught up that if the speaker is somewhat, you know, mundane in, in, their, uh, in their presentation or their, their, the way they speak or the way they deal with issues is, is more gentle and humble as he speaks, the, you know, take the example of Jesus Christ himself. You know, the, the greatest leader, the greatest preacher of all was willing to die and go to the cross. You couldn't get more humble than that. And, 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 and Paul is saying, look to him, yet he was raised in power and glory. So don't get fooled if your parents are, are treating you with gentleness and love. And if your church leadership is treating you with gentleness and love, don't take advantage of that. You need to take them extremely seriously. Or do we have to wait for mom and dad to get really angry and then all of a sudden, we go, okay, I better start paying attention now. And sometimes, you know, we do that as children with our parents. When they finally they blow up, then we listen. And sometimes even within the church, sometimes, you know, we, are we waiting till, till our, the leaders have to, like, get angry with us before we start paying attention instead of listening to the, their, their guidance and love and compassion towards us. But Paul's warning them here. He, you know, he's warning them that, you know, I'm telling you now, I'm coming there, and don't be fooled by my demeanor. I am going to set things straight. And he's warning them, don't be fooled by this. You need to prepare. You need to be ready for me. So now we get to the salient verse this morning hour, and that's verse 5. He says, examine yourselves. He tells the Corinthians to examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. So he kind of, again, flips the script on them. And he says, you question me and my authority, but I'm going to ask you, you need to first test yourselves before you test me. Before you question me, look at yourselves. And that refers even back to, he talks about that earlier in the Corinthians, uh, Chapter 11, he says, well, if, you, if you would judge ourselves, you would not be judged. If we judge ourselves, we're not judged. So he's telling them, examine yourselves. Test yourselves. See if you're in the faith. And I don't think he's, he's not saying question whether you're saved or not, but question your sanctification. Question your, your walk with the Lord. How are you walking with the Lord? After the last two years that we've gone through, it's a, a very valid question. How was your walk with the Lord? Have you come, become stronger? Have you become weaker? Have, has your faith changed at all in the last two years? But let's do a test this morning hour on ourselves. And, there, and there's many ways, you know, I, I've written down a couple tests that we could do. But there's many more tests. When I was in university many, many years ago, one of the, the tests I dreaded the most when I was in engineering, they were called open book tests, which means you can bring in your notes, you can bring your textbooks in, you can bring anything, and they gave you, you know, the problems to solve for the examination. And 
they were the toughest test because no matter how many textbooks and how many notes you brought in, if you didn't know what you were doing, you were going to fail miserably. No amount of notes would help you. I remember times where they would, remember they would allow you a cheat sheet in. So you would allow to bring, okay, you're allowed to bring in one cheat sheet into the, it would be allowed and put all your notes on there going to write the test. So I would fill every corner of that sheet like you could, it was like solid writing. Like, you know, and I'm thinking I put, you know, all my notes and then I get to the exam and I'm just struggling, struggling because even though I had all the information there, I didn't really know what I was doing. I needed to know what I'm doing. So dear ones, we're having an open book test this morning. So you can open up your scriptures as much as you want because at the end of the day, if it's not really applied to your life, it doesn't matter that you know scriptures. Because one of the tests I'm not going to ask you is, is how well do you know scriptures? And we're not going to have a Bible trivia this morning and ask, okay, you know, all these questions about uh, different things and who's the best, has the best Bible knowledge. That is not what I would consider a good examination, a good test. But what would be a good test? How about, if you love me, fill in the blank. If you love me, what did the Lord say? Keep my commandments. That's a good test for us. Do we keep God's commandments? And it's not something where do you love your spouse? Do you love your parents? And you don't check a checklist to say, okay, did I listen to them? Did I obey them? Did I clean my room? Did I do whatever? No, it's based in a relationship. When he says, do you love me? Keep my commandments. Because we desire, we desire to obey God. Do we desire to obey God? I love the one, John 13, 35. By this, shall, by this all will know that you are my disciples. So people, the world will know that we belong to God, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. How? How will they know? What's the test? If you have love one for another. If you have love one for another. How much do you love your brother and sister? Another test. By your fruits you shall know them. We're saved by faith, but in reality, faith without works is not faith. So Galatians 5. Do we display the fruits of the Spirit? And maybe take some time this week to go through them. There's a good test for us. Do we have Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. It's interesting that it's easy for us in this setting to know this truth, but how quickly are we to not follow the fruits of the Spirit? You know, I confess even this morning as we're we're rushing to get ready, to pack everything in the car, and and, and to, to get here on time for church that... You know, I, I, even knowing I'm going to be preaching this message, you know, I, I, I kind of failed already on these fruits of the Spirit. Like, I didn't have that, that patience. Like, we need to get going here. And, and we're kind of, you know, a little snipping at each other. It's like, where's the fruits of the Spirit here? But how quickly, 
how quickly sometimes we get into these patterns and habits, especially amongst ourselves when we're familiar with each other, especially in families. You know, we, we take sometimes the liberties in that we take, that we, we feel that we give ourselves a pass. I don't have to have the fruits of the Spirit. You deserve to be punished and, and talked to and talked down to. But dear ones, is that truly, are we truly in our life having fruits and fruits of the Spirit? Matthew 25. If you're naked, you clothe me. If you are hungry, you fed me. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. If, if I was in prison, you visited me. Are, do we have an active desire where God has placed us to, to reach out first to the brethren and then to the lost and to all those around us? That's a good test for us. How much do we care for the lost? How much do we care for the hurting and the suffering? And, and James 1 follows right along with it. The, the fatherless and the widow, widows, do we visit them in their affliction? There's a good test. And the follow-up test of that, are we unspotted from the world? And going back to, to uh, Paul's exhortation to the church, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 talks about the body. He talks about, are we active members of the body? That's a good test. Do you just show up? Do you just put in your time? And too often that's the mainstream nominal Christianity that their, their Christianity centered around showing up for a sermon and then I'm out the door and gone. Are you an active part of the body? Your local body. That's being part of the body of Christ. That is a good test for us as well. That you don't just expect the ministers and the leadership to do it all. They don't, you don't live your faith vicariously through them where they take care of everything, they do all the work, and you sit back. And if you offer anything, it's typically criticism. Dear ones, I'm not sure if this message was meant for an individual or, or a group or all of you, but they told us yesterday we had to speak in boldness, so I'm speaking in boldness. But I have the advantage, I don't know you individually that well, but maybe you know who you are if you're being convicted this morning hour. And are there do you keep your treasures in heaven or treasures on earth? A good test. What matters to you? How do you spend your time? What, what do you care about in life? But then he goes on to say, but I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates, that Paul has, a, a, he has this positive outlook. And dear ones, I too, you know, I, I, I love this church. I've always, you know, as, as much as I know you and I don't know you as well as maybe I should, but, you know, I, I know so many of you and, and, and you are such a witness and such a, an edification to the whole body, our whole denomination. Even though you may say, well, we're few in numbers and you may seem insignificant, the, the individuals within this church and as a church, you, you are... A, a positive influence on all of us. I want to encourage you that it's important you stay strong, you stay committed, and that there's sin amongst you that it needs to get rid of because I need you, I need you. The rest of the church needs you. Your brothers and sisters need you. I could make you feel good this morning and preach a message that, that would make you feel good, but the best thing I can do is help you find repentance if you're in sin as a church or as an individual. 
And Paul's saying, but I have, I, I, I believe that, that even though I, I know there's stuff going on in, in the Corinthian church, and I know you're struggling, I know there's sin in the church, but I, I expect better things of you. I expect repentance. I expect that, that we can overcome this, that we can get through this together. And he, and he says, don't get fooled by, by, this is verse 7, now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you shall do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. And, and don't take my harsh words as I'm trying to lord over you and tell you what to do and that I'm better than you. So I want nothing more than your obedience and that you will be godly. That's all we want. You know, even if you look down upon me, look down upon me, but I care about you. And I'm sure your leadership cares about you. And I'm sure the elderly and those who love this church care about you, the young. Do we love and care about one another? So much so that we encourage each other to repentance, to confess our sins, to overcome, to live a life within the church where there's no division and that we weed out all immorality. Dear ones, as we go through this test, and as you spend this week moving forward, are we willing to take that good look within our heart to see how well do we do in this test? And this is in verse 8, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. You know, we, I, I can, we can make you feel good and give a message that, that, that is fun and interesting, and, and, but at the end of the day, you walk away, it's kind of like, like, like uh, eating carbs, you know? At the moment, you eat that sugar and it feels great for the moment, but down the road, you're not full, you didn't get fed, and you don't feel very good. So maybe it doesn't feel good to hear a message like this this morning hour, but hopefully if you digest it and you, and you consume it and you allow the Spirit to work within you and ask yourself, how do I test before God? He says, we can't go against the truth. We have to rely upon Scripture. This is our focus. We can't just make things up as we go along. We must depend on Scripture. We must rely on the truth of Scripture, and it must be spoken in truth in the, in, in the church. For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong. And this also we wish even your perfection. And again, Paul is, is saying, I, I, I want you to be strong. I want you to be perfect in the Lord, mature. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like parents... And parenting, as we all know, can be very challenging sometimes. And, and we, we watch our children, you know, not maybe follow in the footsteps that we would want them to follow. And it can get very frustra- frustrating sometimes. But as, as, as parents, we need to have patience and love for our kids and, and, and let them know that we have love. But at the same time, we, we can't put up with, with disruption in the family. We can't put up with... with, with with situations in the family where, where it's hurting the family by certain behavior by the kids. It has to be addressed, and parents can't ignore it. And same with the church. Paul is doing his job. Paul is admonishing the church, but he's doing it in love. He's doing it in love. He says, don't, and don't misunderstand me. I, I really want you to get better, and don't take this attitude of, of me being maybe critical towards you and questioning you and testing you as if I'm, I'm looking down upon you. I'm not. I, I really want the best for you. And I hope you see that. And we can maybe finish off with, with 
with verse 11, where it says, what are, what are the goals of this test? And he says, finally, brethren, farewell. And if you, another word for that word is farewell, rejoice. You know, we can rejoice because we belong to God. We have been saved. We have been given this gift of salvation which we did not deserve. This world has nothing to offer. Temporary pleasures, time, cons time consumption. But in reality, we have so much we have to be joyful for. Be perfect. Another goal. Does that mean you must be literally perfect? No, that, that word typically means to, to mature, to be made complete, to be set apart. Are we maturing in our faith? Are we growing in sanctification? Are we joyful? Are we perfect? Be of good comfort. It talks about how the Lord comforts us in our afflictions. And through us being comforted in our afflictions, through your suffering and through your hurting, and by you relying upon God, as God working in your life, you can be a witness and comfort to someone else's who, are, who is hurting. So you, it's an advantage to you as you take upon yourself the sufferings of Christ in your, in your sufferings and knowing that God comforts you in your spirit, knowing that you have the peace of God, that no matter what you're going through, God is there next to you, beside you, and will comfort you in the midst of it all, that you could take that same comfort and comfort others. And be of one mind, be united, rallied one together around each other, and live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. So dear ones, hopefully this morning hour, each of us, every one of us, have been willing to, to look at this test. And, and, and as we have been tested over the number last couple of years, maybe, maybe have a good look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I ready for the Lord's return, both individually and collectively. So that when the Lord comes back and he looks at all of us and he looks at the church, he will come back pleased to see a beautiful bride, a bride that he looks upon, each of us, that with God's help and God's strength and as we submit ourselves to God, as we humbly submit ourselves to one another and the church leadership, God will be so pleased when he comes back to look at his bride, the church, and, and, and welcome us home with loving arms. We thank God for the word this morning hour. Brother, find the hymn, please. We sing the hymn 185, verses 2, 10, and 14. Hymn number 185, verses 2, 10, and 14. 185 verses 2, 10, and 14.
Well, let's all kneel to pray. Heavenly Father, we are <clears throat> grateful that uh, your spirit has spoken through the brother in the most humble way today. Dear Father, we thank him for his preparation, dear Father, and his heartfelt message to us. We uh, indeed need to examine ourselves each and every day, dear Father. We know that you have little interest in our own pride and our education and our physical strength even. Your word tells us that the, pride will be the proud will be humbled, dear Father, and that we need to know this each and every day, dear Father, this examination, that this test must be conducted every day within ourselves, dear Father. You've given us such a gift, dear Father, the invitation to participate in the divine life, dear Father, and we pray that we are all grafted into your loop of grace each and every day, that this, this grace you give us each, each and every day, dear Father, as the brother listed, the many fruits of the Spirit, dear Father. These fruits, these amazing gifts you rain down on us every day are not for our own silly little possessions, dear Father. But we must learn, dear Father, to be humble and to actually give those gifts away, dear Father. And your word tells us that they will be replaced and replenished 30, 60, and 100 fold. But if we continue, dear Father, to accept these gifts, to know the Bible inside and out, dear Father, and yet never give it away, that message dies inside of us and goes nowhere. We thank you again for this, dear Father, <clears throat> and pray that we can learn, dear Father, to be part of this, this loop of grace, dear Father, that whatever we get from you, that we give away indeed, that the fruits of, spirit, fruits of the Spirit do show within each and every one of us, that what we get from you, dear Father, because you have no need of us, you've created us, and yet you care for us so much, that everything we get from you, we give away, dear Father, as abundantly as you give it to us, and that may be... <clears throat> the solution, dear Father, to our own problems and to the problems that we've listed today throughout the world. We thank you again for this message, dear Father. We continue to pray for those who are sick, those who are ailing. We see what aging, dear Father, and essentially what sin has done to our lives. Our bodies will fail us, dear Father, and one day will come the end. We thank you again. Be with us as we travel today through this weather, dear Father. Be, keep us safe. Watch over us. And may we all examine ourselves each and every day and know that you're watching over us, dear Father, not as some overlord, as some um, competitive spirit in the world, dear Father. You actually care for us and truly want the best for us. We pray for, these, uh, for our uh, brethren who couldn't be with us today, dear Father. We pray for the brethren who are going through such a terrible time in, in Ukraine and in Europe. Be with them and their families. We think about them every day and may we pray for them every day. And, uh, and finally, dear Father, we thank you again for blessings we receive today, every day, both seen and especially those that we never see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hymn number 76, verses 1, 4, 6, and 7.
Brother Ed, at the beginning of the sermon, spent a bit of time on questioning whether this was the right verse or the right chapter for this morning and whether it's going to affect one or two or some or maybe all uh, in, in, the ch- in the church this morning and those that are hearing uh, in different media. Um, that's why it's best to always leave it to God. And brother, that's what Brother Ed did this, this morning. He left it up to God that God would be the one that provides. And I can tell by the reactions of the brothers praying and, and, and the hymns that they chose. They were very specific The verses were chosen for very specific reasons because they hit, the words hit a chord with them and with us as well. Um, And Brother Ed made a comment, you know, you know, he knows he's not, this is not his home church or words to that effect. But the verses that we read is all about brotherhood. And we are uh, an extended brotherhood throughout the world. We are the brothers one of another, we're members one of another, and we are the body of Christ. And so we have every reason to encourage, exhort, admonish, warn, because we care for each other. And it was very evident to me this, this morning as I was uh, traversing through the, through the basement when I saw the exhilaration where the, when the families met, which they haven't seen each other for a long time. That tells you how bound they are in their hearts, how knit together in, in, in love, as Colossians, I believe, 2 says, or 3, knit together in love. That's the beauty we have as a body, as a fellowship in Christ, that we can feel free to approach each other in boldness, but not just boldness in terms of some kind of an arrogant boldness, but in boldness that you will know where this is coming from, knowing from whom we have heard it. And as the brother mentioned, you know, the, the many articulate uh, uh, speakers that, that can really put on a good, polished presentation, it is, it is not so much that. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's not at all that. What came to my mind was when there was that Two, two people, two men read Psalm 23. One was a polished speaker and the other one was an old man that lived with Christ for most of his life. And the comment came back that said, he knew, the rhetorical speaker, he knew the psalm. He could polish it off by memory. But the old man knew the author of the psalm. Where does our authority come from? Is it the message or the messenger? It's the message. And we need to know that, and we need to know whatever is said is said in love. And as the Apostle Paul says in the chapter before that, the more I love you, the less I be loved, because I'm telling you the truth. I pray, as we have heard this morning and yesterday, Take that feedback as something that is going to be beneficial for my soul, something that I need for my soul, something that's going to give me that peace 
that we talked about, this Jesus, he is our peace. If we take him in, if we absorb him, if we ingest him, as he says in John chapter 6, and it will be well with our souls. May the Lord bless you for your work and labor of love this morning, Brother Ed. And please do extend our greetings when you return back to, to Windsor. And um, for now, we'll, this is the conclusion of our service. We invite everyone to stay for lunch.